0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. As we continue with our Don't Shoot the Messenger sermon series, I'm excited to introduce you guys to Pastor Derek Amsler from Crossroads Church in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Look, this is a great church. we become friends and partners, and they're such an encouragement to us. And it's my honor to bring Pastor Derek back to Lifehouse. You know, last year when he came, uh, we had a privilege of introducing him to you, and he brought such a passionate message. He's a dynamic and powerful communicator. And in fact, we want to give you a quick preview of what you might experience Uh, this weekend by sharing a little bit of what he did last year and revealing a little bit of his uh, musical abilities. I'm a lyrical assassin. assassin. And if I'm ripping and dipping, and if I'm ripping and dipping, and say and work it, and dip, and and if let me work it. And, dip, and if they work it, let me work it. And, dip, and, if, and if I'm, I'm, I'm reaching that funky message, white boy. The conviction on my heart it brings a tear to my eyes. And it keeps reality far from me, I just want to hide. Christ endured for a sinner like me. He pays the price when he died for me on Calvary Street. I once was blind, but now my eyes clearly see the sacrifice christ became for you and me he will stand by like no other man two sets of footprints within the same but as time's looking back one is all i see i guess these were the days that he was carrying me he has proven his love t- t- time and again he's pulled me from the fire of result of my sin compare where i am now to where i might have been get on my knees just to praise him again and again god thank you for loving me it's undeserved it doesn't make sense i mean the picture is blurred I'm the one that owes the debt, but you paid my price Jesus Christ, I owe you my life, I owe you my life Say work it, let me work it Say work it, let me work it You're a brain-affected, disconnected, booger-picking, piece of chicken On a stick with hot guacamole sauce Let me work it I'm gonna kill him, is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna kill him. Oh man, what's up, Lifehouse Church? We excited to be in the house of God? Let's go. Let's go. I'm gonna give you one more chance at that. Are you excited to be in the house of God? Let's go. Come on. No other place I'd rather be than in the presence of God with the people of God talking about the things of God. So man, I'm excited. Let me work it. Let me work it. Oh, I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him. Oh, seriously! It's great to be with you guys, man. What what an exciting season you guys are in! Fifty days from now, launching Chambersburg. What's up? What's up, man? I want to encourage you that if that that if you have the spirit of a pioneer, or if you've ever wanted to be a part on the. Um, I'm on the ground floor of something that is sure to have the kiss of God's favor. You need to be serving uh, Chambersburg. You need to be giving towards Chambersburg. You need to be signing up to volunteer towards Chambersburg. Uh, God is going to do something great through that location. I love Pastor Justin. He's a leader of leaders. Uh, man, so just under the direction of Pastor Patrick, this thing's going to take off. Uh, uh, watch out, devil. Jesus is up out of the grave doing his thing through Lifehouse Church. I love it. I love it. Make sure you text 41411 for all the information. Uh, go ahead and subject uh, uh, that text. I'm a boss and I do boss things, and somebody will text you on how to do something that is boss level. <laughs> Big shout out to all of our campuses, to all of our campus pastors. What do we got now? We have we have Jay, we have Justin, we have Spencer, we have Dave, and we have the other Dave, all right? You guys are blessed with some of the very best. And of course, we know that, that leadership in a culture like this is not by accident. The hospitality, the vision, the community, the unity, the fun uh, that you feel here, that is a direct result of intentionality from your lead pastor pastor Patrick and uh, Laura aren't you grateful for them church come on they are the best of the best they really are you know I was thinking about this I've never been around your senior pastor where he's not been dropping truth bombs wisdom bombs relational bombs uh, life bombs the uh, the dude is incredible and you know you know I was thinking about this the other day I don't think I don't think I've ever been around your pastor where <laughs> um, Where, um, one of these two thoughts have not crossed my mind. One, I'm always thinking, wow, I'm gonna do more for Jesus because of this man And I'm thinking to myself, I will probably end up in prison because of this man. So one of those two, one of those two. Well, hey, um, my wife sends greetings. We've been married for 14 years. We have two products of passion. We have a six-year-old daughter. She's the love of my life. She's my princess. She is daddy's little girl. And then we have a two-year-old son who's demon-possessed. You all pray for him. I'm serious, he don't love Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't. Parents, you know I'm talking about the terrible twos. That's a for real thing. That's a for real thing. And he's only two, but God is using him in a mighty way to be the sandpaper against the fruit of the spirit in my life, but we do love him to death. But hey, let's pray and let's get rolling. God, we thank you. We are aware of your presence here this weekend. We ask that you would come in and inhabit the praises and the hunger of your people. So right now, we ask that you would begin to change us and rearrange us, redefine us, refine us from the inside out. May we leave here honestly able to say one unto another, surely the Lord has spoken unto us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Go ahead and tell the person on your left and on your right. I waited all year to sit next to you. Just go ahead and let them know. I waited all year to sit next to you. You made my dreams come true. You made my dreams come true. You know, when it comes to prayer, I grew up not the biggest fan of uh, prayer, and I know that sounds weird for a pastor to say, uh, but it's true. I thought I thought prayer was number one. I thought it was boring. I thought prayer was boring. Number two, I thought prayer was slightly scary because I memorized some prayers growing up. That, to be honest, it just kind of scared the pudding out of me. And then, and then number three, um, I wasn't a big fan of prayer because I thought prayer was rather difficult, and and uh, and uh, and uh, because it was difficult, I didn't think I was. Any good at praying, so I just decided to avoid praying altogether. Prayer was a little bit weird for me. I wasn't attracted to prayer, partly because of the prayers that my parents taught me to pray as a little kid. And maybe, maybe, maybe your parents did the same thing for you. Um, think about some of the prayers that we prayed growing up. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep right? I mean, how scary is this? And if I shall die before I wake, what kind of keeper of the dead wrote this thing? You know, that's just scary, right? Good night, honey. Make sure you say your prayers and make sure that you pray to the Lord to keep your soul in case somebody would come in here and snatch it from your life tonight. Good night, love you. Hugs and kisses. Sweet dreams. You know, I mean, I'm just not attracted to prayer. Growing up, I just wasn't. I just wasn't. And then, to be honest, my Sunday school teacher didn't help anything because 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 all the kids would show up to church or children's church or shout out to VBS and all that. And and uh, and uh, she would she would have all the kids get into a big circle. We called it the prayer circle. And then she would start off by praying, and we would all hold hands. And when she was done praying, she would she would power squeeze the hands. Hand of the kid next to her and then they would pray and they would squeeze the hand of the kid next to them and they would pr- pray and squeeze the next hand and it would go around this circle well of course I wasn't spending my time thinking about Jesus or praying myself I was thinking about what I wanted to say so I would sound cool in front of all the other kids but without a doubt somebody on the other side of the circle would take what I was gonna say and now I can't say what I wanted to say and what I had planned to say because then everybody will think I'm a cheater. And I was homeschooled and they went to public school. And if there's one thing worse than a homeschool kid it's when a homeschool kid cheats off of a public school kid. So I can't do that. And so I would just, I would just leapfrog prayer power squeeze to the next person, Boop, bam, like that. And it just, just keep it going, just keep it going. I wasn't a big fan of prayer, and I think that I could make a very strong argument that in this particular passage of Scripture, that the disciples weren't all that attracted to prayer either. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 11 that one day the disciples overheard Jesus praying as he often did. So you have the ease or uh, the disciples eavesdropping on Jesus praying in his normal prayer time, and when he was finished, the disciples came to him and said, "Jesus." What was that? Man, we've heard a prayer. I mean, we're growing up in a Jewish society here. So, so, so prayer is familiar to us. We're not ignorant of prayer or how to pray. Matter of fact, our people taught us how to pray. But when we hear you pray, there's something different about the way you approach prayer. We've never seen it like that, but we want it like that. Jesus, when you go away to pray, there's something about the way you pray that it's almost like you are enjoying your prayer time. We've never seen it like that, but we want it like that. Jesus, there's something about the way you pray that you seem to be connecting with God on a whole new level. We've never seen it like that, but we want it like that. Jesus, when it comes to prayer, I want it that way. That's what they're saying. And so Jesus is gonna help them reframe the game of prayer so that they will move with purpose in their prayer life. Everybody say, move it with purpose. Oh, what if we're missing the point of prayer? What if prayer wasn't supposed to be a museum piece, but what if it was supposed to be meaningful? What if prayer was basically the moving sidewalk of our spiritual journey? And all we have to do is hop on and move with purpose, and we would make greater strides in our life. One more time, everybody say, move it. With purpose. I want to read Matthew's account. Jesus is going to now tell them how to pray with purpose. And he says in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, our father in heaven. Wait a minute, Jesus, Jesus, um, you, mean, you mean your father? No, 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 our father. <laughs> Lord, um. That doesn't make any sense because it's not our father, because we don't have the same dad. You have your father, I have my father. We, <laughs> we don't share the same father. I was not conceived by the Holy Spirit. His name was David, okay? So it's not our father, it's your father. And Jesus would interrupt that train of thought and he would say, that's true, but it's incomplete because you're, you're forgetting about another option and that option is called adoption because when God saw you, he looked at you, he wanted you and he wanted to bestow his kindness upon you to make you joint heirs with Christ. And so when he saw you, he wanted better for you. He wanted to give you a new name. He wanted to give you a new legacy. Oh, when God looked at you, the Bible says that he saw you stuck in your sin an environment of hopelessness and disgrace and shame and pain and hurt and habits and hangups. Oh, but he wanted better for you. So our father chose to adopt you to be a part of his family. Oh, there's just something about prayer that reminds us that God so much loved you that he would give his one and only son so that you could become his son or his daughter. Prayer reminds us that God is not just about the mission of his glory, but he's about relationships. That God wants to connect with us on a personal level. This isn't just some great grand God of the cosmos, although he is, this is also what Romans eight fifteen would say, daddy. It's amazing. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners stuck in the rut of our own sin, the Bible says that while we were still enemies with God, that's when God died for us. Not when we got all cleaned up and got our act together, but while we were still sinners, he died for us. Watch me now. While we were still enemies with God, he was signing our adoption papers. Our father who is in heaven? Watch this now. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means means to be set apart for reverence. It is it is it is it is to describe something that is sacred or holy. Name is simply your reputation, right? It is your reputation. How many of you? How many of you refuse to name your child a certain name because it? reminded you of somebody else from way back when, right? right? <laughs> I'm not naming my kid Jennifer because I grew up knowing a Jennifer. And let's just say, I'm not gonna name my kid Jennifer, <laughs> but our father in heaven, unique, set apart, sacred, divine is your reputation, is your character, is your nature. So we're approaching God with a sense of reverence, but also a sense of excitement that he came and he found us and he adopted us. And watch this, uniquely set apart, holy and divine is your character, is your name, is your fame, is your reign. Now notice this, when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he says to jump on the moving sidewalk like this, to recognize that our God is a relational God, but also his name is sacred and holy. And he tells us to do all of this very first. Now this is interesting. Three years ago, three years ago when my daughter was only three, um, I had just finished preaching at one of our services at my church and I was walking around to shake some hands and stuff. And this uh, uh, amazing kids volunteer at our church, shout out to all of our kids volunteers. You guys are amazing in this house. Thank you for doing what you do. Uh, I was walking around the corner, and her uh, teacher stopped me and said, hey, pastor, pastor, I got a bone to pick with you. I got a bone to pick with you. Your daughter told me in front of the entire class that you called her a butt face. I said, Oh what? She said that you called her a butt face. I said, I most certainly did not. And I don't know why she told you that, but when we get home, I'm gonna find out why. So we got home, we got home and I said, Avery Taylor Amsler, did you tell your teacher in front of the entire class at daddy's church of which he is the pastor that I called you a butt face? And she said, she said, daddy, I didn't say you called me a butt face. I said, you made me a butt face. That didn't make any sense. Why are you telling people in daddy's church that? Why would you say that I made you that? That doesn't make any sense, baby. And she said, she said, she said, a couple nights ago, when you were giving me a bath, you washed my bottom and with the same washcloth, (laughs) later on, you washed my face. You made me a butt face. (laughs) I'm a guy. I didn't know there was an order to this thing, you know? I mean, come to think of it, it does make a lot of sense. I probably need to change some personal hygiene habits. But anyways, but anyways, tell the person next to you, the order matters. Go ahead and tell them. The order matters. The order matters. Now tell the person that you just avoided, tell them, don't be a prayer butt face. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't say that. But the order matters why is Jesus telling us to do this up front he's telling this because there's something powerful about getting into the presence of God and first things first the order matters don't come in with your to-do list don't come in with 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 a uh, with everything that's heavy on your heart don't come in with all your drama God is not a genie in a bottle but he's a relational God and it does something for our own spirit when we come into the presence of God acknowledging his greatness and his and his divinity and his his resume. God, I've got some things heavy on my heart. Lord, I've got some needs and I've got some wants and I've got some dysfunctional relationships. But Lord, before I get to any of that, I just wanna spend a minute bragging on you to you. You are a good God. You are a faithful God. You are a generous God. You are a faithful God. So much in fact that I thought that battle way back when was going to break me, but somehow you used that to build me. I thought that relationship was going to kill me, but some but 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 God somehow you used that relationship to refine me. Lord, there's been seasons in my life where I thought you forgot about me and abandoned me, but when I look twice, I'm able to see that you are a friend who closer than a brother. There's just something about getting into the presence of God and first things first, acknowledging him, his character and his nature that not only deepens your relationship with him, but it fuels your faith so that whatever happens next, you can trust that he's got the rest. The order matters. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Watch this one, thy kingdom Come, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, not mine, your will, not mine. Watch this, your, your kingdom will, your kingdom, your will. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is a recognition that submission will take you further than ambition. Lord, I've got my kingdom and I've got my will and I've got my choices and I've got my drama and I've got my goals. God, God, I've got my relationships, but at the end of the day, my legacy is too short to give my life to. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's recognition that no matter what happens in my life, and even if you choose for whatever reason not to answer any of my prayers, I submit to your sovereignty and your goodness. Long live my King. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Then he goes on, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let me land the plane here this weekend with this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us is really what it's saying. Everybody say debt. The Greek language of which this passage was originally written it had, it had two Greek words for our one English word debt. One of the Greek words described a loan that you could eventually repay given enough time. Sort of like what we would call maybe a house loan or a car loan. Just give me enough time and I can make payments and eventually I'll pay it off. The other Greek word, the one that Jesus used here in this passage, actually is used to describe a loan that is justly due and legally do, but you could never repay it. It was a debt that could never be repaid. Maybe some of you remember uh, watching on the news uh, this past September, a teenage boy was playing with fireworks and he threw it into an Oregon gorge and it set over 47,000 acres of a forest on fire. Do you guys remember seeing that? Um, a couple weeks ago, a judge in Oregon just ordered that that teenage boy repay $36 million in restitution. A teenage boy paying $36 million. Our father who are in heaven, forgive us of the debts we could never repay. Jesus is saying that when it comes to the hurts and the pains in life caused by other people, Those pains that are unforgivable, undeniable, unshakable, unquestionable, it should have never happened, but it did. What do we do with those? I mean, let's be honest, there's some of us that are walking around with a lot of undealt with hurt and pain and sorrow and junk, talking about people's names as soon as as their name is mentioned within context or out of context, all those old emotions begin to resurface on the inside of your spirit. You still play that scenario morning, noon, and night and all if you could just have your way with just one second. See, in order for you to, you to get from where you are to where God wants you to be on this, on, this, on this spiritual journey, there's some things on the moving sidewalk with you that have to get off. And you know, the beauty and the power of prayer is this. Prayer will always align your heart with his agenda and it will always soften your heart from what the devil is using to harden your heart. Forgive us our debts, God, as quickly and cleanly as we release the debts of others. In my opinion, the number one tool the devil will use more than anything else on this planet to hold a Christian in bondage and to limit their life is unforgiveness and undealt with pain. One day, the disciple, Peter, who had been walking with Jesus for quite a while now, He's starting to pick up on this new kingdom mentality that forgiveness and freedom walk hand in hand. And so he says to himself, maybe one day, uh, you know what, I'm starting to get it, starting to get it. Jesus is always talking about forgiveness and he's always talking about freedom. You know, I I saw him talk about forgiveness to the paralyzed man before he healed him. I remember Jesus talking about forgiveness and releasing the offenses of others with a Zacchaeus and with Matthew, the tax collector. Man, I was there when Jesus spoke to the woman who was called in adultery and said, I don't, I, don't, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. He's always talking about forgiveness and freedom. So, hey, Jesus, I got an idea. Hey, when it comes to forgiveness and when it comes to forgiving other people, Why don't I choose to forgive people? I don't know, the law of the day is an eye for an eye, you hurt me, I get revenge back on you. But you know what, because it's such a big deal to you Lord, why don't I forgive people seven times? seven times. I love Peter, right? Peter's my type of guy. Jesus, is it okay with you that I forgive somebody seven times, but on the eighth time, I shank them in the side. (laughs) On the eighth time, I talk bad about their mama. Is it okay that on the eighth time, we fight eye for an eye and we get revenge? And Jesus' response was this, no, Peter, no, man. Come on, man, you gotta keep your heart clean. It's not seven times, Jesus said 70 times seven or some translations 70 fold, 77 fold. Now, what's the difference? 70 times seven or 77 fold. And, and it all means the same thing. But here's why that distinction is so interesting because the first time the expression 77 fold was used was through an event that took place in the Old Testament. And it became such a familiar story throughout their nation. It became a common everyday expression for revenge. Here's where it shows up. In Genesis chapter four, verse 23 It says, then Lamech, he's this this older guy who was offended by a younger man. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah. They had some sexy names back in the Old Testament, didn't they? Come on, girlfriend. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, typical guy, right? Nobody around here is listening to me. Will somebody pay attention? He's just having it out for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. We don't know if that offense was physical or emotional, but this young guy offended him. And so he killed him. And he goes on, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then by golly, Lamech 77 fold. And so this expression became a common everyday saying for somebody who was wounded and offended and they wanted revenge, but they were gonna take it over the top for revenge. Maybe you've said something sort of like this yourself. Well, they can start the battle, but I'm gonna finish this war. If they do this, I'm gonna do that. If I see them again, here's what I'm gonna say. And we play out all these imaginate or... Um, imaginary stories and uh, conversations in our mind about what we're gonna do to them. And Jesus says, no, not, no, 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 not seven times, Peter, 77 fold. The same way that you would seek revenge by going over the top before you came into my kingdom, I want you to extend the same level of grace by going over the top. Where it doesn't even make sense where people have to look twice to try to understand what you're doing. A mark of my kingdom and the beauty of my grace is not eye for an eye, but is to release an offense of the spirit and of the heart. Father, forgive us of our debts as we release those who have sinned against us. And I'm just wondering what it would look like for you to ask God to help you release that hurt. I'm just wondering what it would look like for you to ask God to give you a new perspective regarding that issue. Matter of fact, I brought a picture with me. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. How many of you see a black vase? Raise your hand. How many of you see a black vase? How many of you see two white faces looking at each other? How many of you, the longer you stare at it, can see both? How many of you aren't gonna answer any of my questions no matter what I ask? Most of you, all right, that's all right. We're working on it. I'm just wondering if this is your situation and and if that is your hurt and if that is your offense, what else could you see if you would look again being mindful of him? I know it was painful and I know it hurt and I know it should have never happened, but wait a minute, God, give me the capacity and the understanding, kiss my mind and my heart and my spirit and my attitude to look again, being mindful of you, that what the devil meant for bad, wait a minute, I see something else and that's God using it for the good. What else could God do? in your life? What else could God do inside of your spirit if you would let some things go and allow his finished work to be completed? Look to the person who can heal you more than the person who hurt you. Because grace offers freedom and grace offers forgiveness. What is in your spirit? What is in your heart that needs to be released so that the good father who is in heaven, who has healing in his name, can come in and touch your life in a brand new way? What is it in there that needs to be left behind so that you can get on the moving sidewalk and get on with your life? Let me ask you, your relationship with God can you honestly say my father who is in heaven have you ever had this moment in time in which you've asked Christ to forgive you of your sins have you ever repented of your sins you know repentance is just a fancy word that means to about face to turn around I was headed this direction but you know what God I see that that destination will lead, will lead to a bondage and pain Death and hell and the grave. So, God, I repent of my sins. I turn around and to the best of my abilities, I want to follow you with my life. Have you had that moment? Is there something in your life, someone in your life that you've let set up a, a castle of pain in your life? Oh, today's the day to let it go. So, for the privacy of those around you, every head bowed and every eye closed, all of our campuses. If you would say, I don't have a relationship with God or I've been playing games with God, but today I want to make today a brand new day of the rest of my life. Man, would you just put your hand in the air? I just want to pray with you quickly. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Yeah. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I've got some things in my heart that I need to let go so I can move on. I've got some unforgiveness. I've got some bitterness in my life, but I'm ready to ask the good father who is in heaven to bring healing into my life. Man, would you just put your hand up and down? I'm in a tough season personally myself where God is teaching me to let some people go. Yeah, 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 hands everywhere. God, I thank you for your grace and your might. Lord, I thank you for the love that you bestowed upon us. God, I pray that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave will now raise us to a new level. A new level in our relationship with you and a new level in life as we let some things go so that we can move on. Lord, I pray that this will be a new season. Give us new eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand and a spirit that is motivated and encouraged to be all that you've called us to be us to release some things and some people out of our life so that so that we can pursue with great intimacy and purpose our relationship with you give us strength for this cause give us strength for our today's hope for our tomorrows and in everything and in every way we still declare that it is our father who is in heaven and hallowed be thy name kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven oh God give us today and every day everything we need for life and for godliness help us to release the hurts and the pains of other people just as you are releasing our sins from us Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory from this day on, forever and ever and ever and ever. In Jesus' mighty and hopeful name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting Lifehouse Church dot org